KIOS at the Movies. I'm your host, Joshua LeBure, and today I'm joined by Diana Martinez from Films Dreams. And we're going to discuss the film, Can You Bring It? Bill T. Jones and D-Man in the Waters. This is not a balletic piece. It's lyrical, but it's athletic. D-Man in the Waters is a piece by Bill T. Jones. It is considered Jones's most successful dance. All his movements always had some sort of meaning or task to them, and any emotion that came out, it came out of the movement. The work was play. The play was work. The work was about changing perception. Arnie and I were a couple. We wanted to make a community, a community who had a mission and a direction. That community thing changed radically when all of a sudden it was, how do we save ourselves? You know, I remember half my phone book had died. Recently, Arnie Zane learned he has AIDS. Can You Bring It? Bill T. Jones and D-Man in the Waters is a film I went into with no expectations. And what I found was something full of beautiful images, movement, and a compelling story. Directors Tom Hurwitz and Rosalind LeBlanc tell the story of Bill T. Jones's epic 1989 ballet, D-Man in the Waters, a touchstone work of art that came out of deep mourning and fear felt when AIDS took the lives of Arnie Zane and many others in the Bill T. Jones Arnie Zane Company. Can You Bring It also tells the story of a young dance troupe putting on their own version of D-Man in the Waters and trying to find what is at stake in their lives for this current generation. Which is the essential question the film is asking. Can you take a piece of art that was made for a specific moment in time and bring it into another era and have it make the same impact? Both of these stories are intertwined with a highly produced and cinematic version of the dance by a contemporary professional dance troupe. All of these elements come together to make a fascinating, heartbreaking, and energetic film. I loved Can You Bring It, Bill T. Jones, and D-Men in the Waters. See this movie. Alright, so what did you think about Can You Bring It, Bill T. Jones, and D-Man in the Waters? I really enjoyed this film. I love a dance film. I tried to challenge you with this, picking this one, because <laughs> we haven't really done a dance film before. We've done a lot of like, bi- you know, biogra- biographical documentaries. Well, you can tell me what you think, and then I'll tell you why I, I kind of have a, like a personal relationship to this film. So you go ahead. You will love to hear that I love dance films. I love them. There's something about dance that like, um, it's just something I can't do. Like I have rhythm, sure I can like go and dance at a wedding or whatever, and I'm fine and it's fun, but I can't move my body in these ways. <laughs> yeah, neither can I. Yeah, and that's why I watch them. Yeah, and there's something so impressive about it to mm-hmm. me that when I see the way that these dances come together, like it's so stressful to me how people can like follow choreography and like <laughs> do all this stuff with their bodies and put something together that tells a story. And I think that it's so ripe for cinema. The film tells the story of the the creation of this piece called D-Man in the Waters. And so, it, you know, it gives you the biography of the Bill T. Jones company, like how it all how it all comes to be. But the part that for me was really um, important in like grounding all of that is that you also see 
um, a student production of Demon in the Waters being mounted by the dance team at Loyola Marymount with the director of the film as their teacher. And there are moments uh, when she's trying to explain to the students uh, the importance of this piece made at the height of the AIDS epidemic after the company had lost a couple of dancers and their founder. And she's just so impassioned because it means so much to her. Like she lived, you know, through that. She she has a personal relationship with this piece. And she just is so frustrated that she can't seem to get through to these students. I, I taught college for six years. <laughs> And so I know, I know that frustration, either not getting anything back, but getting something back that was just so incredibly personal and like not about community, not about a kind of like global pain. There's a moment where she literally just like breaks down crying. Yeah. And she's she's like, she's like, what is, what is our like AIDS crisis? What is like this moment that's making this about not only you, but also mm-hmm. the audience. And she's like pointing at the audience. She's like, what about them? What about us? Mm-hmm. You know? And there's just such a disconnect and it, and it really puts into perspective, like the individuality, mm-hmm. the, the focus on individuality that Americans have yeah. and mm-hmm. maybe of this newer generation. And it, and she's just like, what? is it what it just kept saying that yeah and it's so good yeah i love this person i like want to know her and i'm glad that i got to see this film because i don't know if i ever you know would have known her otherwise it really did also make me wonder though is this view maybe changing because of the things that have happened in the last year and a half with covid19 yeah. And we are in such a polarized time, but I'm hoping, and I don't know because I'm not around a lot of younger people. Like, is there a sense of maybe community coming back mm-hmm. because of this? Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, that's just a question that <laughs> I'm just mm-hmm. hoping maybe, <laughs> but, yeah. it, but it was really prominent in this film, just how hard it was to connect a larger story. And I could think of like so many things that were happening even before the pandemic that people could have been rallying around mm-hmm. as, you know, we had such a sense of like safety, but yet at the same time, you know, we went through the 2008 financial crisis where black wealth yeah. was like almost eradicated and so many people lost their houses and we live in a country without free health care, So people are going becoming homeless because of medical bills and you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And even during the shooting of this, I assume, was during Trump presidency. Mm-hmm. And so it was a little disconcerting that like, mm-hmm. what's the th- what's a thing that people are rallying around in a sense of urgency? As much as I appreciate like her frustration, because I get it. <laughs> like I've, I've literally been there in similar situations. You know, I did also have the question in the back of my mind, especially after hear like hearing the story of um, the the Bilty Jones and Arnie Zane company, and you know how that all came about, all the people in it, you know what was happening in the 1980s um, within the company itself, and you know it it does make me think like as much as art is for everyone, should be accessible to everyone, there is something about knowing like the cohort of dancers that you have, you know, maybe this isn't the piece 
for them. And like, that's also what I was thinking about. You know, it's like some things are maybe of their time, but are also of like just a certain group of people. And maybe these students just weren't those people, you know, maybe that's just a bad fit in terms of like, I understand why Rosalind LeBlanc is like so committed to like wanting to, to mount this piece, but it's also like, you have to look at the room, you know, is, is the, are these the dancers you want to put this legacy on? Cause it's so big. And like, maybe no. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting thought too. Cause it also made me think about just how fractured there's so many people in this world and art is so fractured. Mm-hmm. Like art exists in these silos a lot of times and like only like so much of the cinema that I like, you know, no one is going to see those films ever mm-hmm. in their lifetime or even hear of them. Paintings or performance art or, you know, it can, it really made me think about how it's wild that in places like New York and LA, you can have these like small groups of dance troops or artists or et cetera, et cetera, that are extremely successful but are never going to make an impact like mm-hmm. a Marvel film will or something like that, where where billion like you know yeah. millions and millions of people are going to see it and pay to go pay a ticket to go see it, yeah. it's, and it and it feels like you know as we're siloing art even more, mm-hmm. you know maybe in the eighties there were times where things could like break through, and have a lot more cultural significance that now everything is so fractured and siloed because of whatever the internet or maybe although. Yeah. You know, to be honest, I haven't really seen a film about the AIDS epidemic outside of New York. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Because um, it made me think about the David uh, Vonarovich film that we just yeah. saw. It was also about New York artists. Yeah, which are and... powerful and great. But it's also like, you know, if we're talking about siloing, um, I think you all like you also have to think about like, is is this is this piece for this community? You know, and I think for like me as a programmer, but even just thinking of like the performing arts and like Omaha, like, are they bringing pieces that speak to the audience here? Or are they speaking to an imagined audience that doesn't exist? And that's the thing that I'm always really scared of, right? That I'm like, I'm I'm programming for like who I uh, want the audience to be rather than who the audience actually is. And that doesn't necessarily mean one is better than the other, but I have to be really cognizant of like, is this for here in this film? I saw like in the performing arts, you also have these bodies as mediators and it's like, is this for them? Like for their body, can they embody that heartbreak in the same way as the original piece intends? Like maybe they can't (laughs) and like, that's okay. Um, yeah, it was it to me it just brought up really interesting questions about like the limits of art. Yeah. Way. And no, that's exactly what I mean too is I I, I was the, that's kind of the point I was like poorly articulating is that <laughs> like how you know this piece can have such a big impact on this like place and in this moment. Mm-hmm. And like basically have like an industry built around it where these people could make a living making this art but we're so fractured in society Mm -hmm. in general that it's like, how do you break through, Mm -hmm. you know, and should it? Mm Because I'm watching this and I'm like, Mm. I am of a specific generation. So I remember this like 
those conversations and this like time pretty vividly from a very young age a lot of these kids never even really heard about it they didn't talk about it in school their parents didn't talk about them with it they haven't seen any films about it aids is just kind of a a thing that's it's it's scary and dangerous and it's a disease but you know there's treatments for it and it's not inherently a death sentence you know so i think there's like a little bit of a disconnection to how many people were dying even in this Mm -hmm. like small little community of this dance troupe like i was shocked by the number of people who were just part of this production Mm -hmm. that passed away from it and that's immediate that's urgent you know i don't think there was an emergent like an immediate and urgency for a lot of these kids especially from a more a lot of them maybe Mm -hmm. from a more privileged background minus Mm -hmm. like the one kid where we get his backstory wasn't wasn't a trained dancer yeah he was amazing and he was incredible yeah and he he had it like he had you could see he had that passion and i think that's why he's the one kid we get their backstory from because maybe there's something in the in the tragedy and in the trauma that leads to needing a place to put it you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you use your body to put it there. And I think that's why a lot of these people, they have these angry movements and they can just have this energy they need to put in this place. Yeah. I really, I, yeah, I really like this. I really like this movie. Me too. I, <laughs> I, I think it really, it made that connection to me between like, this is a historical moment. Like these are themes and feelings. And like, this is how it translates to like bodies moving on stage. You know, like I, I think... Um, because also one of the things that you see in this film is you see also um, the Bilty Jones, Arnie Zane company, uh, as it is now, also performing the piece. So you kind of see the way that the students are performing it. You're seeing archival footage of how it was first performed. And then you're also seeing, you know, a professional dance company, um, perf- you know, perform it in like full HD. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, with a full like camera movements and, and yeah. it's just for the movie, you know, and I, I thought yeah. that was really and, cool. And you really get immersed in it and you like, you see that feeling. You also see the different priorities in movement at all these different times, right? Like in the eighties, it's like much more raw. Now it's much more polished, but like the movements are like, just like, so like fluid and, and like, strong like the strength is really there and like with the students like they're really just like finding their way um and get some great coaching by bill t jones himself which was also cool to see um yeah it just it was really interesting seeing all these different levels um of performance stacked on top of one another speaking to one another about this particular piece just the story of the people that created the dance and where it came from. And like you said, getting that context and just the amount of like loss that was, that put it out. Like it really made me connect with, yeah, the film, the people that made the dance and, you know, Bill T Jones and, Mm -hmm. You know, there was a lot of doubt after Bill T. Jones' partner Arnie died whether he would be able to keep the the company alive. And then they kind of made this iconic dance out of the loss of, you know, their former, mm-hmm. his former partner, well, his partner, and, mm-hmm. you know, and the person who wanted to have a dance company in the first place and who was basically running the dance company mm-hmm. and who seemed like an incredible person. 
I love this movie. I'm glad that you had me watch this one. <laughs> Good. What should people watch, read, or listen to with Can You Bring It, Bill T. Jones, and D-Man in the Waters? Um, so I That's hard to actually... say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long title. I'm trying yeah. to call it Can You Bring It. Um, I am actually going to recommend something that uh, people cannot see yet, but they will. Um, I'm actually going to recommend Ailey. Um, it's an upcoming documentary about Alvin Ailey. Um, the great dancer, choreographer, and leader of the Alvin Ailey Dance Company. Um, it comes to our theaters August 6th. Um, and Alvin Ailey, uh, it, it's a multicultural dance company, primarily Black, as was Bill T. Jones and the Arnie Zane Company. And Alvin, Alvin Ailey also commissioned pieces from Bill T. Jones and Arnie Zane. And so there's like definitely crossover in terms of the type of work, the type of movement, um, and also how they're using dance as social commentary. Um, and Ailey is like such a good documentary about, you know, this huge figure in, in modern dance, contemporary dance. Even people who don't really know about dance have probably heard about Alvin Ailey. Um, and so that that's something to look out for because they think it really like enriches um, this history of like what's happening in the world of like contemporary dance in the 1980s in the 1970s. Um, and it's, it's a great film. So look out for Ailey. I have two films I'm going to recommend one just cause I love the way the dancing is filmed and it's just such a different film, but it's the 2010 Darren Aronofsky film, black Swan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that might've been one of the first films that I was like, Oh, dancing is like, so cinematic and just watching them do the ballet and stuff with like the way the camera moved with it was just incredible. And then my other recommendation is just one of the most intimate films I've ever seen. And just the amount of access given to the filmmaker. And I know the filmmaker did it with no crew. It was just her and a camera, uh, but it's the 2017 film, Bobby Jean about Bobby Jean Smith, just another incredible dance film but also one that kind of takes that cinema verite and like mm -hmm. and it really because it's happening now you know it it provides a lot of that context for these pieces that bobby dean smith is doing but with a more verite because it's happening now so the just the amount of access that this filmmaker had outside of the dance and just like literally being in the home while like her and her partner are having like a huge fight and she's like in a corner with a camera, <laughs> just like, I don't know. It's, it was, it was pretty incredible film. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. So, uh, Bobby Jean. Um, so for people who love, uh, like I love rehearsal footage in particular, like I don't really care about the finished product. Like I love seeing <laughs> dancers in practice. I love what they wear. I love just like, watching them memorize things instantly. It's amazing. Um, Ballet by Frederick Wiseman, the 1995 film. If you want to spend three hours pretty much just watching ballerinas in rehearsal, um, watch that film. I mean, you could just have it on in the background and then be inspired by these women doing amazing feats with their bodies. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that because I actually had that on my recommendations list. Um, but I was like, I can't do three. That's too many. So... <laughs> can you bring it bill t jones and d-men in the waters is available on film streams at home for kios i'm joshua labure and for film streams i'm diana martinez <laughs>